Hello, listeners. Welcome to Educational Landscapes, Lessons from Leaders. On today's episode, we are going to learn from Beth Ann Swan. Welcome to the show, Beth Ann. Thank you, Yulimi. Appreciate the opportunity. Wonderful. To get us going, what is your educational leadership title or titles? So my educational leadership titles are currently I'm the Associate Dean and Vice President for Academic Practice Partnerships at the School of Nursing here at Emory. Uh, and I am also the Interim Associate Dean for Education in the School of Nursing. Thank you. Those are quite lofty titles. So could you tell us what do you do in those roles? So for the academic practice partnership role, I work with the Dean of our School of Nursing, Dr. Linda McCauley, and also the Chief Nurse Executive for Emory Healthcare, Dr. Sharon Pappas, um, to work together to develop a strategic direction of the partnership between the School of Nursing faculty and Emory Healthcare nurses. Um, we work together to strengthen and expand the school's educational clinical partnerships, which are really key to our relationship. And then we work together to help to develop innovative educational models for all levels of programming within the school and as we are a school of nursing, those educational models are really founded on clinical practice. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, and then you had mentioned you have an interim role? Yes, yeah, so the interim associate dean role is new now since August the 1st. And so in that role, uh, again, I'm, I'm working with uh, the leadership council at the school, and it's really focused on the um, educational experience of our students um, from our pre-licensure traditional BSN students to our post-licensure DNP and PhD students and everything in between around uh, curriculum, assessment, evaluation, uh, program planning, developing new programs, policy development, and, and of course, partnerships. And in that new role, it, I have shared with everyone the notion that in the Office of Education, we're really about people, partnerships, and performance. And so the, the the three P's, and so people is pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. um, the partnerships, we often think of external partners um, to us, but this is really about how do we partner with each other in the school, across our various departments to really support the student experience as well as the faculty experience. And then performance, you know, how do we keep ourselves accountable to making sure that student experience and faculty experience is what people want it to be? Oh, that's amazing. I love those three P's, people, partnership, performance, and thinking about um, your other role, clinical practice. Um, and so given that scope, what skills do you use in your roles? 
there there are many skills and different skills are used on different days mm. and i you know i could say 50 things but i'm going to try to limit it to maybe the top 10 okay um so i think the, the skills that are really key and i'm going to say in use practically every day um in in a leader's role is communication that's really foundational strategic thinking i think it's important for a leader to have positivity and a can do attitude um i think it's important for myself any leader to really have awareness of self and also awareness of situations and how that awareness comes together on a daily basis. Uh, more pragmatically, it's important, you know, I use time management and organizational skills. Um, you know, sometimes you have to compartmentalize, you know, this is what I'm doing now. And then you move to a different situation and it, it, you need to compartmentalize from, from what you just left. Hmm. Flexibility and reliability. I, I think it's important to be flexible. I also think it's important um, to have that skill of being reliable. Um, and this might not be considered a skill, but I think it's important to also be accessible and approachable um, in the role. The other skills I, that I think are important is recognizing potential in all the people that are here and making sure that not only recognizing that potential, but being able to support um, other people's development, their individual development along their career pathway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A, a skill in mentoring is very important. The skill of being able to receive reverse mentoring is equally important. Um, conflict resolution, you know, we're all not going to get along every day, all day long. And to be able to have, you know, have the crucial conversations, being able to resolve conflict is important. I think the another important skill is the ability to tolerate ambiguity. I, you know, in your role, a lot of, you know, we're, we're, we're like, okay, we're living in this world where there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknowns and having that skill or developing that ability um, to be in ambiguous situations and navigate those is important. And the last one I'll mention um, a skill that I use in my role probably almost every day is that skill, that ability to lead change. Because here at Emory, um, I think we all know that um, change is happening every day. And I find myself sometime now in like rapid cycle change. <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> excuse me, that ability I think is really important. Absolutely. I feel like not just during the pandemic, but that made it even more of an awareness for people that 
we're constantly it's like what's happening today where what what do we need to change <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so i i think that is so important um and i love the the holistic nature of the skills that uh you highlighted um i wanted to ask you about a little bit more to do with the reverse mentoring. I feel like a lot of people have heard mentoring, but can you tell us a bit more about what reverse mentoring is? So I see reverse mentoring as the people, either people on our team um, or faculty I work with and interact with that they, their ability to mentor me. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I working on, you know, a couple of projects now. And although people think, oh, but you're the associate dean. And and I, I feel like, no, I'm putty in your hands. Like I need you to be helping me to mentor me on some of these projects that we're working on. And so I think it's, um, you know, any mentoring relationship is, you know, it's always, you know, you say it's a, it's a two-way street, you know, as much as you put into the relationship, you get out of the relationship. But I think in reverse mentoring, I think the ability to accept that um, from from perhaps people who consider them my mentees, mm -hmm. but I look at them as mentoring me. Oh, I love that. Thank you. I I, I really appreciate that um, because it does really help folks understand that mentee-mentor relationship and how it can truly be bi-directional. Mm -hmm. Yes, wonderful. So I presume you didn't start off an associate dean. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Could you tell us a bit about what your journey was that led to these current roles? So I will, I'll, I'll talk about it briefly. And then because my, my journey has been a long one over many decades, but how I got to Emory, I'll okay. start there. So um, I was invited to serve as a visiting professor for the Emory School of Nursing in 2019. And um, way back when, um, Dean Linda McCauley was the Associate Dean for Research at the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing. When I was a staff member there working in Penn Nursing's international office. And so we got to know a little, a little bit. Our paths crossed a little bit, not, you know, not too much. Um, but when I left for a faculty role at Thomas Jefferson University and again got my first leadership role there. Um, Linda was one of many um, individuals, many mentors uh, that I had. So, you know, Linda McCauley, Norma Lang, um, just there, there were a lot of people, a, a, a lot of people. And Ultimately, I did become the dean um, at the Jefferson College of Nursing. And when that happened, I again, I reached out to, to my mentors 
you know, for help to say, okay, now I'm, I'm in this now, now I'm really in a real leadership position. Um, and I, and I need your help. Mm-hmm. And so being the visiting professor and then, um, serving as the dean at a school at Jefferson College of Nursing in Philadelphia. Um, you know, the pandemic occurred. I, I made a decision that I would, um, quote, retire or leave Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And um, when Dean McCauley found that bit of news out, she said, hey, would you ever consider coming south? Um, and I had never considered that because I was born and raised in Philadelphia. I'd spent all my life there. And I just, you know, said to my husband, hey, um, there's an opportunity in Atlanta. What do you think? And he's like, okay, let's go. So we, you know, my husband's retired. We packed our bags and got on the plane during the pandemic and landed here in Atlanta, where we've been now for three years. It's amazing. Wow. Especially, uh, I'm just thinking about that. You were in Philadelphia and that's been, that's been home the whole time. And then it's like, all right, we're going to change it up for ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is amazing. I, and I am sure School of Nursing, very fortunate uh, to have you. I would love to hear, um, as you said, you've had a number of leadership uh, positions now. What do you wish you knew before stepping into those types of roles? Well, here at Emory, I wish I knew how many hats I would wear in less than three years. And so I, I feel like in this current position, I just wish I knew how many hats um, I would be wearing. I think in general, you know, what I wish I would have known, I think some some is, you know, you, you hear people say, you know, take in every day, you know, experience every day, live in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I, I think... You know, I wish I probably would have taken that more to heart, not not worry about what's coming, but being more present um, in the day. Mm-hmm. And so now after many years, I, I can do that. Now I, I have an appreciation of that and I can get up every morning and say, today's Wednesday, September 20th, mm-hmm. and I'm in today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's um, one big thing I wish I knew. I, I think another thing I wish I knew is, you know, it's hindsight is always twenty twenty, but the the twists and turns um, that come in a journey in leadership, um, and you just have to be open to when the next door opens and the next door closes. So I I think there's some of the things I wish I knew. I would love if you don't mind expanding on that a little, because I think that is something that people don't really talk about a lot, like knowing when to move on. 
from a, a role, like as you said, the opening and closing of doors. Um, since you've had these experiences over time, have you gained any like strategies or insights that you use um, in order to to realize for yourself, you're like, I've done what I, I want to do and now I'm ready to move on? So that's a great question. So I, I should start by saying I've been very fortunate in my life and in my career that there were always, I felt like there they were mentors, but I always felt, I now know, but back then I didn't know, I always felt that there were people looking out for me. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So there were people who knew me better than I knew myself. Mm -hmm. And so I never had a plan for leadership early on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a, an opportunity would come up. And so, again, somebody would say to me, Bethany, I think you'd be good at that. Why, why don't you try that? Mm -hmm. And I would have never considered it myself. Yeah. Um, and so I, I have to say in, in, it, as I moved from role to role, um, you know, from being a, a staff nurse um, to being an assistant head nurse, you know, every, every role along the way, there was someone saying, you know, you'd be good at that. You know, why don't you think about that? And so I always felt fortunate that I thought, wow, there's somebody always looking out for me, which, you know, nowadays, um, I try to do that for other people. I try to be that person who's saying, you know, you'd be good at that, but you should try that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when the the question about when it's time, when you've done, you feel like you contributed all you could, mm -hmm. and then it was time to look to move on. I think it's hard because you're you get to a point where you're really good at what you do and you're comfortable. And it's scary to to say, I'm going to leave my comfort zone and I'm going to try something new that, no, I might not be so fortunate. I might not be so good at if I try something new, mm -hmm. but it's part of, you know, being able to, you know, take the risk, take the leap. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I always felt, I always kind of live by this, like, what's the worst that could happen? I go back to what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't succeed. And I go back to what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I thought, well, if that's the worst that could happen. I loved what I was doing before I changed. Right. Um, so I, I know that might sound silly. Um, but and then I think in my my most recent role, um, when, you know, when I thought, okay, I'm going to, you know, quote, retire, if you will, mm -hmm. I felt like I had contributed all I believed I could contribute. Mm -hmm. And I felt professionally, I had um, just accomplished so many things that I just thought, this is a, this is a good life. This, this was a good career. Um, you know, I, I was very satisfied and again, you know, then getting this opportunity at Emory for me was, I'll, I'll call it mind blowing 
because, you know, now I'm here at Emory and just, you know, there's just one opportunity after the next, you know, to work with great faculty, work with awesome team, work with great students, write grants, publish with people, help develop a simulation center. I mean, it just goes, it just, it's like just the opportunities here have, again, they have blown my mind just, and, and again, in 2020, before I came here, I, I was very content mm-hmm. um, at, at, at the life lived. And, and now being here, I feel like, wow, like it, I don't think it could possibly get any better when I thought it was already great back then. Indeed. Thank you so much for sharing. I think that is so insightful. You know, the two big things that I've taken away from what you just said was um, recognizing one's own, you know, risk levels. And I really appreciate that mindset of, hey, I can try this. And my fallback is something I already love. So it's not bad. It's not a bad idea to give it a go. And also the power of the people around you who are always looking out for you. Thank you. So insightful. Okay, back to the the core questions again. (laughs) What continuing professional development do you do to keep up with the needs of your various roles? So I think it's a lot of it has to do with leadership development through professional organizations and really being able to identify um, what what am I missing? Um, what's the missing link in the work that I'm doing? And then identifying, um, you know, I guess programmatically, like very concretely what that um, would be. And I one example would be the world of simulation and the significant growth in the technology that's used in simulation and um, having a role here at the school, it's, I, I was going back saying, okay, I need to do um, a master course to learn more about simulation. I'm now in a, a research fellowship focused on simulation. So for me, it's it's always about saying, okay, what's missing? What do you need? and going out and finding uh, that program, that person, um, the opportunity to, you know, do um, deeper work in the field. Wonderful. Are there any um, organizations that you would recommend for any of our educators, nurse educators that you have been uh, to? Sure. So there are two, two, well, one that doesn't exist anymore, which was for me kind of life-changing was the Robert Wood Johnson Executive Nurse Fellows Program. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was really, again, like I said, like life-changing from a leadership perspective, but there are national professional organizations like um, the American Association for Colleges of Nursing, they offer leadership development program. Uh, the National League for Nursing, they offer a, a leadership program for academic leaders. There are two that come to mind. Um, there's a, the organization, um, the 
American organization. Uh, it used to be AONE. Now it's called AONL. They have a wide range of leadership development opportunities, everything from the emerging leader to the senior executive. Uh-huh. Um, the, the, you know, the Wharton Executive Nurse Fellows Program. There's a there's a program at Wharton that I've attended. Um, so there, there, there are opportunities um, out there, both both specific to nursing, and mm-hmm. then also for um, you don't have to be a nurse to do the leadership program. And and I'll mention two programs here at Emory. So mm-hmm. right now in the School of Nursing, we're offering a faculty leadership academy that will kick off the first time um, this fall. And I believe it's for 15 of our faculty academic leaders in the school. Um, Emory also offers the Woodruff Leadership Academy. And so that's another opportunity. And again, that's, you know, all fields, um, all disciplines here at Emory. And I know that we have had nursing faculty here at um, in our school who have participated that they they select, I believe it's 20 people from across the university each year. But I think there's lots of opportunities for leadership development, again, depending on, you know, what your niche might be or what, um, you know, you might want to do something in change. You might want to do something related to finance. You might want to do more in marketing. You might, So I think it's 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 wide open, those opportunities, depending on what you what you're interested in and what you feel like you need to add to your um, portfolio. Thank you, thank you. I love the range of things that you've um, highlighted there. Lots of options for people to look through. What additional advice would you give to someone interested in doing the same types of leadership roles that you've had? Right, some, some advice, again, I would, could probably think of many things, but I have a, a few few things here. So I think most of all, I think it would be important for a person to know they have to really commit to the role and put their whole self in. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't be half in and half out of leadership. Um, you, ha- you have to be all in. I think pe- you have to be open to the infinite possibilities and I, when I say that, it's the the good things and the not so good things, um, because you could hit a bump in the road in your leadership and say, oh, I really messed that up. And then lo and behold, it turns out to be an opportunity that you wouldn't have experienced had you not hit the bump. So I think you just have to be open to those possibilities, um, you know, taking care of yourself. We, we we're hear a lot about that today, about wellness, taking care of your mind, taking care of your body. So I think that's taking care of yourself as a leader, I think is very important. Um, embracing change, um, ask a lot of questions. Just ask a lot of questions. You, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Um, you can be that person who asks all the questions. Um, and And I think people are better for it by asking. 
I recommend that people become a volunteer leader in a professional organization. So if you've never been a leader you or you aspire to be a leader, a place to get started is in your professional organization. You know, volunteer for a committee, volunteer for a task force, volunteer for, you know, the new standards they're writing. And then, you know, become familiar with the board of directors, you know, just be willing to serve in those leadership opportunities. I think as another bit of advice would be, you know, to find joy in all that you do, I do, we do, because it's important to to sustain career optimism. And I talked about positivity before. We're all going to have good days. We're all going to have not so good days. But to be able to sustain that optimism in what we do as a leader it is really important, um, not only for ourselves, but for the people we're leading. Um, because I believe, you know, when I look to a leader, I mean, I want that leader to be to be positive, to be optimistic, to be um, looking towards, you know, the future. So I think finding that joy and having that optimism. And I, I've read this quote, and I, I don't know who it, I want to say Kurt Vonnegut, but I'm not sure. But I found this quote in thinking about this question. Um, and I may, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but it says, this is a, my last bit of advice, to enjoy the beauty, presence, and power of today in each day. Because when you look back on your leadership journey, you will recall it in a way that you could not have grasped now how much possibility laid before you. And I have to go, I, I think it's Kurt Vonnegut, but I'm not sure. But when I read that, I thought, wow, um, it's true. Like if you told me three years ago, um, I would not have had any idea how much possibility and opportunity was before me, was yet to come. Thank you, thank you. Um, I will definitely look up um, who that quote was um, to uh, verify, but very powerful. And it makes me think, as you said earlier, that um, there's a lot of stuff we don't know and it's only in hindsight when we're reflecting. And so, yeah, thank you for sharing that. So um, building on the conversation we've had so far, and you know, I, I'm coming back to those P's, people, partnerships, <laughs> performance. Um, how do you view succession planning in order to expand education in your profession or through your roles? So succession planning um, is critical as a leader. And I and again, I, I look at this to say, you you know, if you think of a baseball analogy, you always need to know who's on your bench. And so who's ready to step up? And part of that succession planning is really getting people ready. So when that leadership, when somebody taps you on your shoulder with that leadership opportunity, you're ready without any hesitation to say, yes. I'll, I'll do that. 
And so some of that ties into that mentoring, reverse mentoring, um, and ties into that recognizing potential um, and knowing, having a good um, idea of people on your team, people in the organization, having a good idea, well, what are they interested in? Um, they may be interested in leadership. They may not be, but everybody has their, their special gifts. And so in looking at succession planning, it might not always be about, oh, that defined leadership opportunity, but you know, you think of succession planning, I look at it as success. So su su success planning for people on the team um, and that knowing who your bench is, but also being a person, being a leader who's getting your bench ready. So that that would that's kind of how I view um, succession planning. It's really planning for success. And the... Um, second part of that about, you know, expanding education in, in the profession and my my area of, um, I'll say, expertise or where I've spent a lot of my time has been in ambulatory care and, um, again, was started off as a member of a committee and ultimately became president of the American Association of Ambulatory Care Nursing um, because this is where my practice area of interest focused. But again, I think that's in supporting my professional organization, that was also a way that I could contribute to succession planning for the next, for the emerging leaders, for that next generation of nurses who are going to come through who who are leading that organization now. Um, and then, you know, other ways we've talked about mentoring. I, I mean, I love working with students, mentoring students, um, mentoring faculty and colleagues, again, in orchestrating their academic career, um, again, so they're able to sustain this career optimism. Because the students, um, you know, and like I tell my two daughters, you're going to be working for the rest of your life. And you, whether you're a leader or you're not a leader, you're you're going to be leading from where you are. And you need to be able to sustain that optimism in your career, in your leadership, in life. Um, and so how do we, um, you know, mentor students, mentor our 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 um, newer faculty to achieve that success. Thank you. Um, and building on this discussion about successes and success planning, what would you say has contributed to your biggest successes thus far? So I, I look at this in two different ways. So, so I, I mentioned mentors. So I, I've had, like I said, people whether you call them mentors or people who have watched out for me throughout my career of being a nurse. I mean, and that started way back when as a new nurse, I worked on Silverstein 10 at HUP in Philadelphia. 
Um, my head nurse's name now they're nurse managers, I guess, or unit directors. But my my head nurse back way back when her name was Ella Ryan Maloney, and she was probably the first person I identify as a mentor. And then just over time, I mean, um, and I probably won't name everyone. I'll forget people, but. Um, you know, Joanne Dish, Mark Sovey, I've mentioned Norma Lang. I just have had so many people. I've mentioned um, Dean McCauley, but there there have just been so many people over time that have have contributed um, to those successes. And then on a personal note, um, you know, my parents, my husband, my daughters, because without their support, and understanding they make everything possible so that they, they make this journey uh, possible. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, and, you know, going back to some of what we discussed before, recognizing, as you said, when you take on different roles, there, there are things that you realize you need to add to your portfolio um, in order to continue to do your work really well. What would you say are your biggest growth opportunities right now? Right now, my biggest growth opportunities are learning from the people around me. Nice. Um, like I said, you know, every day here at Emory is a, is a new day. And the opportun opportunity to learn from the people around me is just incredible. Love that. Love that. Thank you. So we've talked about people um, and people in different forms. So I'm guessing this is going to be linked to your answer for the next one, but we will see. Um, what do you love most about your work and what you do? So what I love most is that every day is different. Um, when I come to the school every day, I, I, I know what's on the calendar, but I know what's on the calendar is not going to be what's happening that day. So I, I love the variety and every day being different. And I love just celebrating um, the achievements of our faculty and our students. We have just phenomenal um, faculty and students here at the Emory School of Nursing and just being able to celebrate their achievements um, is, you know, something I just really enjoy about my work. Wonderful. So as you reflect on your experiences to date, what would you say are your current passions around education? Well, the, the first one, of course, is students. Um, I, you know, we're here at the School of Nursing, we're, we're student-centric, and I love um, working with students. You know, and I have said to people, you could put me in a room with students all day long and I would be happy. I, I, I could do that all day long and that would be fine for me. Um, I think other passions around education are, you know, the number of partnerships and collaborations that we have. Being able to have such a diverse portfolio of things that I do, mm -hmm. I think is really uh, incredible. The other thing I I also will mention around, you know, you talked about 
passion around education, educational philosophy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I believe we can offer students a rigorous program with support without being ruthless. And so we can offer rigor um, with support. Um, I I real again I come back to students. I I really enjoy seeing students emerge as leaders and scholars because I see them as the next generation. They're going to be us soon, mm -hmm. um, and being able to support their uh, they're wanting to emerge as leaders and scholars is really important. And, and hopefully I'm inspiring the students. Um, you know, that's, you know, passion I have, I, I think I am. Um, but, but, but hopefully I am inspiring to students. Um, as I said before, I, I love working with students. I love working with faculty who are early in their academic careers. I think it's important for people to get off on a good foot um, and, and have positivity um, as they begin their journey. So there, there are a few, a few passions. Thank you, thank you. So those were my core questions, which were very career focused, um, but we recognize you are more than what you do. So what are some things you do outside of work to help you maintain joy in life and practice? Well, as hopefully there might be some people listening to this podcast who have seen me walking. Um, so I, I love to walk. I walk every morning, um, sometimes even in the evening. Now it's getting a little darker earlier, so maybe not so much in the evening, but I love to walk. I love to be outdoors with my husband. Um, I love to read, listen to books. Uh, I love um, flowers, visiting gardens. The One of the two great finds here in Atlanta, the Atlanta Botanical Gardens, um, are, we, we go there often. Um, we've discovered Gibbs Garden now. And so that's another beautiful, uh, it's a little further away, um, but it's another great place to go. Um, love to travel and also like to bake. Oh, what do you, uh, what's your favorite thing to bake? So my signature is banana bread or banana chocolate chip bread, uh -huh. brownies, um, chocolate chip cookies. Mm. I can make a pound cake. Um, so anything, you know, anything that's got, you know, sugar, flour, all the things we should not be eating. But we love them anyway. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Bethan. Those were my core questions for today. But before I let you go, any last words of wisdom for aspiring educators or education leaders? Just. Find joy every day. Find joy every day in what you do. Thank you. I think that is a wonderful, wonderful way for us to end this episode. Thank you again for your time. Thank you, Yulimi. I really appreciate the opportunity.